Don in Southlake. Welcome to WBAP. Well, thank you, Jim. This is my first time calling. and uh, well, I appreciate I you I, calling. I hope I addressed the question properly, so you might need to guide me through that. But my call relates to the fact that I have a rental property that I'm trying to, that I recognize as a foundation uh, issue, and I'm trying to find out how I would go about getting an appropriate review and or estimate uh, going forward. Uh, I don't uh, I don't truly know that I want to repair it at this point in time. It's it actually has been uh, shall I say damaged or cracked or whatever the proper word is for some years, and it's rented fine in that case. But I'm contemplating uh, selling the place. Yeah, and if and you know if it has moved and you do get ready to sell it, you'll probably have to address it at that time. Uh, but you know, a lot of times people are worried about doing foundation repair a lot of times before they need to. Uh, and I say that, you know, if you've only got, an, say, an inch of movement, yeah, that's enough to cause some sheetrock cracks. But if it's addressed properly, you can get some reversal of that. You can stop additional movement. And an inch of movement is really not enough to justify doing a bunch of foundation repair. Now, I don't know how much movement you got on yours, but uh, as far as getting it looked at, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware one of the one of my family businesses is Due West Foundation Repair. And well, we'd be more than happy to come out and look at it. Well, if I might just address that. Uh, sure. My, my interpretation of doing a job properly is, you know, more than one estimate. And oh, sure. I have already... I've, I've got a, a property manager that handles the house for me, uh, okay. and in, in doing that, he has checked with one of his local providers. So we already have an initial idea, and the the, um, the deflection is greater than the one inch. In fact, at one point, the very corner, the worst case is about 2.5 inches. Okay, that's not that bad, but yeah, that's enough to justify doing something. Well, and and to his point, and uh, one that I think you made uh, in your uh, explanation is, we would not necessarily be doing this except they were contemplating selling the place, selling the property. Right. And I know I need to get it fixed before I did that. Now, what I don't want to do is be inappropriately having people just coming to give me estimates. But I've had a tremendous respect for your program and your approach, and I feel like. I could, uh, you know, I could get a good well, idea of that being sure. the proper thing to do. But I, am I being inappropriate by getting one or two people to look at it? Am absolutely, being... absolutely not. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, that's the norm is to get it looked at by more than one person. Now, I will tell you that you got to be real careful of who you get to look at it because, unfortunately, this is an industry that has no criteria to be part of it. Anybody can hang out their shingle and say they're a foundation repair expert. In fact, I'm not, I'm not going to name the company name, but I was at a home show one time. This is probably 25, 30 years ago. And there was a company there that had a sign out, free foundation repair, sign here, sign up here. <laughs> and what he was doing is gathering leads. He got all these people to sign up, and he comes over. Me and my dad were working the show, and he comes over to us, and he says, 
hey, can you tell me how to do this? I've never done a foundation job yet. We're just starting out. He comes over to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that and, and, and literally that is the way this industry is. And if you go through yeah. the yellow pages, a third of the companies in the yellow pages drop out every year because they go out of business, and another right. third starts up. So it, it it's a pretty volatile business. So the first thing I'll tell you is make sure you get somebody who's been around for a while. Make sure they're going to pull permits when they do the job because most cities now require an engineer's inspection before and after for that permit. And that helps to protect you. Okay. And, you know, and, and, yeah. go ahead. No, 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 I, I interrupted you. Allow me to let you yeah, finish. That, that's right. And then beyond that, you know, the other things that you want to do to protect yourself is make sure who you're hiring has workers' comp and and uh, general liability in, in case something bad happens out there. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing is to just plain make sure you check out the companies. Um, yes, sir. There is a company, you know, because I have offices throughout the state. There is a company down in Houston that uh, they got nailed by the Labor Department this week because they've been hiring guys and paying them uh, by the day rather than, paying overtime and they are now going to be fined the the fine got uh put on them for six hundred and eighty two thousand dollars oh, in back so pay that takes a well, lot of foundations to fix doesn't it well let me tell you i've been doing this since 78 i don't make enough to pay that kind of fine and i know darn well they don't <laughs> Well, that uh, that would modify your thinking for sure. Yeah. Uh, a question that I do have, uh, if I if I pursue, which I really would like to get this done, but I'm not sure. totally sure of the procedures. Uh, that you know, and like I said, the only reason that at this point in time that I would have it done is because we are evaluating the prospects of selling the home at this time in the market. So sure. uh, obviously, uh, it would need to, you know, meet the qualifications for the loan to go through. It also would need to be transferable. Is right. that standard procedure? No, there are some special things. If a house is going to be sold within 12 months, uh, you know, I mentioned that F that engineer's report. Yes, sir. FHA has a special requirement on those reports to make sure that it's ready for selling in other words if you don't have the engineer's reports fha will not do financing on it within 12 months oh okay thanks sir now beyond that uh conventional typically is not a problem va comes and goes a little bit uh but most loans right now are actually going either conventional or fha so uh that's really nice I bring that up if you want to make sure that you do have the, the engineer's report for that. But but the engineer's report never hurts you, right? I mean, absolutely uh, not. It may it may cost you a little, but you need to have it. Uh, you have to have it because, like I say, you got to have uh, some engineering in order to pull permits, anyways. So you might as well get full report, and you're typically looking at about five hundred dollars to do that, somewhere between okay. four and five hundred. Okay. Okay. Well, and is that rolled into the price when you have somebody do the job, or is that something you pay for outside? Or You can do it either way. I know okay. when I bid a job, I include it in the 
in the price, but I do list as a line item. Okay. Well, uh, and, and Don, the last thing I'm going to tell you on this. Yes, sir. Uh, and you've probably heard me say this before, but there's no such thing as emergency foundation repair. Uh, don't let somebody try to tell you, oh, you got to get this done right away. It well, will I wait. Appreciate that. Uh, and and I greatly appreciate that because it's been well over, it's been several years since we've noticed that the foundation did need some work. So and yeah, we've, we've lived with that. But uh, I don't know. The housing market is such that uh, we're we're reaching the age that uh, keeping up with rental property is not necessarily. Uh, we're not at the same energy level we were at one point in our life. Well, and, I will tell you. I'll give you my take on the real estate market right now we're on a bubble again i mean we're we're prices are up i don't think we're going to have a huge drop but i do think we're kind of peaked out for now and we're going to level off for a couple years okay and i i think i think we're we're exploring that i know that we yeah. looked at what our house was several years ago just based on general estimates and it's uh it's considerably above that Yep. Um, whether we get that or not remains to be seen. But yeah. Um, so, so what procedure? If I wanted to contract you to come look at the house, uh, is should I go to your website and just start there? Yeah, just call call my office, and uh, they, they'll schedule for me to come out and take a look at it. Okay, sure. I will do that, and I really enjoy your show. I enjoy your personality that you put into the show, and. Uh, shall I say the honesty that that I feel as a listener, and uh, I'll be here again next week. So thank well, you. Well, Don, much, I man. I appreciate that, and have a great weekend. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you probably uh, on Monday. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, sir. God bless. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. In fact, I mentioned earlier in the show we're doing the uh, overhaul for Hero, the Garcia project right now in the Houston area. He is a an HPD officer who basically was involved in a rollover, and he's now quadriplegic, has brain injuries and such, and his uh, parents are having to take care of him. And Florin Decor has stepped up and is providing the tile so that we can tile the entire home and keep it one level so that it's easier for him to be able to be wheeled around in the home. So I, I do, I truly, not only do I thank them, for taking care of this portion of the show. I really thank them for helping us out with these special projects. You know, we, we set up a a charity called Jim's Heroes to do just these kind of projects. And yes, I have a regular job. Monday through Friday, I, I do to do West, where we have a plumbing company, a, found, a foundation repair, and air conditioning. The air conditioning division is only in Houston, but... Uh, the highlight of my week is doing this show because I do get to do great things like these overhaul projects, the Patterson's home. We're doing the Garcia home. We did Sergeant Tennant's home. We've built a couple of homes for soldiers. Not only are the sponsors a huge part of that, but you, the listeners, help as well because with your contributions and everything to the projects, it makes it possible to get these things done and Again, I want to thank everybody who helps us with these type of things. John in Plano, how can I help you? Hi there. Um, I had a question about um, uh, my the hot water in my bathroom. It's 
just over the past three or four days, it started to slow, and then okay. it um, and it makes a weird sound, and then it just slows down to almost a drip, and then if I turn it oh. off and wait a minute and turn it back on, it comes back on. Ah, oh, what kind of weird sound? Um, kind of like pipes clanging. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh huh. Hey, I was actually um, trying to see if you were going to make the sound for me or not. I'm just messing with you. Uh, I tell you what it sounds like it is. Um, inside the, the valve itself, because it's only happened on one faucet, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. The uh, Inside the, the faucet, there's going to be washers and O-rings. One of them has come loose. And what you're hearing clanking is there is, is actually that little that little bitty piece of rubber flapping as the water goes by, and then it's plugging the orifice so you quit getting water. Oh, okay. And so all, all you gotta do is take take it apart. Is this a single handle faucet or a two handle? Uh, two handle. Okay. Take the hot water side, shut the water off to the house, take the stem out, rebuild everything on it, put it back in, and you should be fine. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. You bet, John. Take care. You too. Again, our number, 1-800-288-9227. Another plain old call. Ken, how are you? I'm doing good, and I've got a foundation question that you might not have had before. Um, I have one end of my swimming pool deck that has sunk. <laughs> you put piers yep. under swimming pool decks? Nope. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you why. It's only four inches of concrete. Yeah. And so uh, typically there's two ways of doing it. One is to either uh, mud pump it up or yeah. use a, a uh, polyurethane foam injection to raise uh -huh. it back up. And then, of okay. course, the third option is to just take it out and replace it. But uh, the reason you can't actually underpin it and pick it up when it's four inches of concrete, if you pick it up, it doesn't have enough strength to span, and so it'll start gotcha. sagging. Gotcha. So does your company do that mud pumping and foam we spraying? Sure, yeah, we, we sure do. Okay. We we actually do both, we do both ways. It depends on the situation, how big the void is, how much it's got to come up, and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it. I'll be giving you guys a call here in the next couple of weeks. All right, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Stella and Crum, how can I help you today? Jim, I uh, had a salesman come to my house yesterday to give me a price on uh, removing my bathtub huh? and installing Onyx in, into a yeah. walk-in shower. Okay. And after a very long conversation with him, uh, he said it was sixteen thousand eight hundred and ninety-five. And when he kept talking, he reduced it down to like ten thousand nine hundred. Uh huh. And then I remembered what you said once. He told me that ah. If I didn't make the decision to sign the contract right then, that the deal was off. 
Let it go. And, yeah. So I told him, well, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, but I also wanted to tell you, uh, I took your advice and I got sunburst shutters. Uh huh. I got them all over my house and every window. I just love them. They are some great shutters. Yeah. Stella, and if you would mind, could you hold on for a second because I, I want to talk to you about about that shower again as well because I may have some, uh, some tips for you there. So I'm going to ask you to hold for just a moment. Beware of evil contractors' half-truths. You may get the wrong half. Here's more Texas Home Improvement with Jim Dutton. And welcome back, Stella. I only got uh, uh, you know about 30 to 45 seconds, so hit real quick. On that Onyx tub, or shower rather, you are 100% correct. When they start dropping prices like that, they are starting way too high to begin with. This is a company who is probably going to end up ripping you off in the long run. Get another contractor. You can call Onyx Direct, and that can hook you up with somebody else. Uh, but you know, don't let anybody ever use the sales tactic that if you don't sign now, the price is off the table. Because when they're doing that, they're typically a fly-by-night that you just plain don't want to be dealing with. Uh, you know, and really, that's the that's the biggest piece of advice I can give you. I am so glad that you heated to that warning and didn't do business with them because I will tell you I've installed many of those Onyx systems over the years and 10,000 is a little bit too high if it's a normal take out the tub and install you should be looking at somewhere in the six maybe up to 8,000 so thank you Stella I appreciate you calling in Lee this is Jim how can I help you Hey there, Jim. Uh, I'm actually tooling down the road, so I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm going to uh, get off the get okay. off the phone and listen to the car radio, so I don't get uh, don't get in trouble. Um, no problem. I'm I'm looking. I'm, I'm developing cracks in uh, in my home in the stucco, uh, and the stucco is a traditional concrete lath stucco uh, that was put up. Uh, several sections, but most of it was put up after uh, after Rita, uh, okay. so it's not that terribly old. Um, and like I said, it's starting to develop some cracks in it. And uh, my concern is, uh, you know, I want to stop it before it becomes before it becomes worse or I start having other problems. The is cracks, there you, a, the cracks um, you're getting though, are they just hairline? Are they hairline cracks? That's recommended for that kind of repair. Well, let me ask you, the cracks you're getting, though, are they just hairline cracks? Uh, no, they're bigger than hairline cracks. Probably um, uh, anything from hairline up to maybe an eighth of an inch. Ooh, okay. And they're on, they're on vertical surfaces. Um, uh, this is, like I said, this was lath. It was metal lath attached over Tyvek. Uh, and then, uh, I guess, three-quarter inches of cement. Uh, you right. know, brown coat and then and then uh, uh, an elastomeric finish, um, but uh, I've got I've got the, these occurrences uh, mostly close to outside corners. Okay. Um, I am betting, and are they going straight up and down? Uh, mostly. Yeah, I am betting what it is is where they wrap the lath around the corner. 
that right there where it, where it meets the, the other laugh that's on the straight wall is where it's cracking. Because all, all of, all of the, it's a concrete-based product. All of it's going to crack by nature. And, you know, that's why I was asking if it's hairline. I'm not that concerned with it because stucco, a, a lot of people don't realize this, but stucco has to be painted. And they use an elastic-type paint on it so that it expands and contracts as the material expands and contracts. And what I'm wondering is, right there where the two lads overlap by the corner, if one of them's uh -huh. a little bit loose, and so as it expands and contracts, that one that's a little loose is popping and creating that crack. Okay. And yes, they do make a caulking. Take a look at Big Stretch. That's the brand okay. of it. And uh, try that in there, and then you can paint over it, and I think you should be all right with that. Myron, this is Jim. How can I help you? Good afternoon, sir. I have an outdoor fountain with the uh, concrete, and uh, the bowl has developed some cracks up near the top of the rim of the bowl, and they uh, it leaks. And when the bowl is completely full, but not, but the, I, I sense that those cracks are growing. Is there anything they, I can do uh, short of replacing that bowl? Well, and the bowl is concrete, correct? Y yes, sir. Okay, they do make a coating that you can put on there uh, that would seal it up. I don't know where all it's available at, but I'm pretty sure Ace Hardware is going to carry the material. And, and it goes on just like a paint. Okay. And so it's, it's really easy to apply. If they don't have it, white cap does and they've got uh, different locations that's white cap like the a wave w-i-h-f uh white is in the color white yep cap is in a baseball cap yep okay yep all right thank you i'll give it a try you bet now does take it, care if, if it continues to crack is that stuff going to flex a little bit so that it uh it does have some elasticity to it because yeah it's it's made for coating things actually just like bird baths and fountains and stuff like that oh very good very good. Do you, you happen to know the name of it? No. Oh, gosh. I cannot remember the name of the product okay. right now. But, it, okay. but uh, yeah, just tell them you need the coating for waterproofing it. Thank you, sir. You bet. Take care. Bye. Hey, I got Michael Atkinson here from Guardian Roof System. And, Michael, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Jim? Man, I am doing just wonderful. <laughs> Watching that weather come in yet? <laughs> Well, I'm actually up in East Texas, out in East Texas by Woodville at the uh, deer lease, and uh, we're not having too many issues right now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, but I've been watching the radar there in, in Houston because of the project we got going, and looks like we're going to get a little bit nasty a little later this evening. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually going through San Antonio and Austin right now. I've already seen some hill reports come through, and, and I think it's heading our way. You know, we're, we're getting ready to put the roof on over at the Garcia Project. We're excited about it, but we're looking at the forecast, crossing our fingers, hoping we get a window in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like if, if we don't make it on Monday, the weather looks like it is going to give us somewhat of a break on Tuesday, maybe. That's what I was seeing, too. That's what we're planning on right there. You know, we can't really go by the weather, man, though. I mean, he's just <laughs> giving us his best guess, and, and it could, it could not. You know, what what can you say? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, 60% means it's 60% chance it's going to rain somewhere in Houston, and Houston's a pretty big city. That's it. 
Yeah. Well, Michael, you know, uh, you're, you're you're stepping up that roof because it was just a, a standard three tab, and you're stepping it up to a architectural type shingle. And we picked the color. I guess Thursday it was, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, I mean, you guys are going above and beyond. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for doing that. We did get an update a little while ago that the fascia boards are on. In fact, probably all the hardy siding will be finished today. So uh, okay, it'll be great. good to go for the roof when you're ready to go. Uh, but let, let's talk about that roof that you're putting up there. Because, you know, so many people think it's just a matter of going up, throwing some shingles down, and a roof is done. And there's so much more that goes into it. Well, you know, we, we've talked about it before. You know, when you talk about putting a roof on, it's not just the shingles that go up there. It's, it's an entire roof system, you know, tearing it down to the deck. You know, I felt some soft decking when I was up there last week, and so we're, we know we're going to be changing some of that out. Anytime it's got some water stains or some rot on there, we got to cut it out, replace that. Uh, go back with some synthetic underlayment. It's a newer technology. It's much stronger than the old school uh, felt paper. And, uh, yeah, we, we beefed them up to a lifetime shingle. You know, going going back with a 20-year shingle on, on, a, on a roof, you know, the, the, the heat and the violent thunderstorms we have coming through Houston, you just get the life expectancy out of that that you think you will. 20-year shingles don't last 20 years. And we wanted to put something on there that's going to last a lot longer for the Garcia family. So we are going back with that architectural uh, lifetime shingle. That's all uh, certainty as well. Excellent. Talk to me about that underlayment that is replacing the uh, felt paper nowadays. Well, you know, a lot of people still use felt paper uh, out there, especially on the new construction neighborhoods that you see going in there. Uh, we've upgraded to a synthetic felt uh, probably about three years ago. We just find that the durability is much stronger. The walkability is much better, so it's safer for our, our crews when they're up there, especially on steep slope roofs. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if something comes through and you have a, a hurricane or a tornado and something rips your, your shingles off, you know, the, the underlayment is the important part because that's what keeps water out of your house. You know, is it going to be an underlayment that tears after a, a couple of weeks or after a couple of days? Or is it something that's going to stay there in place and keep your house watertight until somebody can get out there and repair the shingle? And so that's right. why we've gone up to a, a synthetic. You know, they, they, they listed at 25 times stronger than the old uh, tar paper. You still have the same kind of fire rate that you're going to have with the, with the tar paper. It's just an all-around better, uh, better uh, product. Okay. Now, the Garcia home is not in the windstorm area, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's just, it's just on the outside of the windstorm area. But I tell you, Jim, and I think I've told you this before, you know, we, we're based out of Pearland. We do a lot of windstorm stuff, and there's a reason that windstorm has their codes uh, in place because they know it's going to withstand high winds. And we get violent thunderstorms that come through constantly in Houston, whether it's a hurricane or a tropical storm. You have high winds that come through there. We had this back on the 18th last month. And so we yep. build every roof up to windstorm code. Everything that we do up there is going to be exactly like if I was building on the seawall down in Galveston. And that's important because a lot of people don't realize, but if they don't get the the roof put on properly for that windstorm, insurance isn't going to cover them the next time. No, unfortunately, they're not going to cover them. And, and uh, you know, usually what happens is uh, they don't they don't get their WPI-8 with windstorm. And uh, what that means is they're either going to pay a lot of money for a contractor to go out there and fix it and do it right, uh, or they're going to have to tear that roof off, or they're going to see a 15% increase on their premium uh, every year moving forward until they do make that correction on the roof. We actually get a lot of calls out uh, saying the contractor came out and did it, windstorm failed it, what can they do? And unfortunately, there's not an easy fix, especially if it's been over six months and those shingles have sealed down. 
uh, then it can get quite expensive going back and doing it right. You definitely want to make sure you're using a contractor that knows windstorm code. It changes constantly, and you have to stay on top of that kind of stuff. Okay, you threw out a, a, a form out there, a WTI, what? WP, WPI-8. That's, uh, that's your windstorm certificate showing that an engineer for windstorm has come out and certified that it is built up to code. If you're in a windstorm area, you have to have that certificate to turn into your insurance company, or automatically they can they can drop you, they can raise your premium, uh, or they can come out and they can deny coverage on certain uh, items. Now, see, Michael, this is why I like doing stuff with Guardian Roof Systems. You guys are on top of it. You know the the rules. You know how to get the job done properly. Uh, I mean, you're just great to deal with. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Jim. Uh, when you're on this Garcia project, how long you anticipate? One day. Start to yeah, finish? You, you, yeah, start to finish. We're, we'll be done in one day. <laughs> you know, usually we can do up to about a 50-square project. Uh, this is about half that. Uh, you're looking at a 512 mm -hmm. low slope and a one-story. So my guys will probably be out of there by about 2 or 3 o'clock. <laughs> and, you're, and you're doing something a little bit different on the uh, patio cover he's got in the back. Yeah, you know, we actually see this quite a bit now is, you know, when you have a low-slope product, sometimes homeowners want to see shingles on this so it matches the roof up there. Well, shingles only decide, uh, you know, designed to go to a certain slope. What's back there right now is a, is a 1 on 12, which is well beneath what it needs to be in order to uh, even do like an ice and water shield and shingle on there. It's just a low-slope application. You're basically looking at a flat roof like you'd see on a commercial property. And what they have up there right now is shingles. You know, water can back up underneath there and start rotting out the decking. When we tear that off, we're actually going to go back with a modified bitumen, uh, basically a two-ply system with a torch application. Oh, very good. That'll yeah. take care well, of that for years to come then. Oh, yeah, that, and, that's, and that's what it's designed for. You know, again, it's sometimes, uh, sometimes you have to have an educated contractor that comes out there, and even though aesthetics or something might look a little bit differently in the long term, you know, no one wants to replace a roof twice. They definitely don't want to do it within a 10- or 15-year period. You're going to spend the money. You want to make sure you get it done right and you get the right products where they need to go. You know, that's, that's, that's very important when it comes to a roof system. Yep. Well, Michael, how come people get in touch with Guardian Roof Systems? They can contact us on our phone, 281-485-ROOF. Uh, they can find us on the web at guardianroofsystems.com. They can always come right by if they live out in the Fairland area. We live, we're right there off 35 in Beltway. All righty. Yeah, you and I met over there at King's Beer Garden and yes, had sir. some lunch one day. That's correct. <laughs> All righty. Well, Michael, I appreciate it, and uh, I guess I'll see you out there either Monday or Tuesday. Yes, sir. We got material dropping on Monday, and if we can fit it in, we will. If not, we'll be doing it on Tuesday. I think that's going to be the day that we have the win. So we'll see you out there, Jim. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Have a good one. Later. Mark, how is Lake Livingston today? Looks like it's gonna rain a little bit. Can We've had me? enough rain. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Hey, my my question is to you: is I bought a couple acres up there, and they had a modular home in there, and I I'm gutting it. I threw up all the carpet and everything, and I noticed that it has that compressed wood floor in it. Yeah. And, and I want to put towel in it because I got you know I bring my dogs up. It's it's like a weekend. Uh, place that uh, we're trying to get it together so we can do some jet skiing and water skiing up there. And I was okay. asking, what what would you suggest? Do I put the cement uh, or you know stuff at Home Depot on there first before I towel it? Or how how would you go about doing it? I would put down a layer of 
concrete backer board first, right. and then tile it. Okay, so I, I wouldn't have to worry about the grout breaking or anything like that after I get it done? Well, you're going to have to see how thick that floor is that they've got on there. You know, sometimes it's it's not thick enough. Uh, what you're going to be looking for is you need at least an inch and a quarter thickness. Would you suggest I plywood it first and then use the uh, the backer board and then put the tile well, on it? Well, it, it, again, it'll depend on how thick the board is that they've got down there. If it's already got an inch and a quarter, then I would say no, go with the backer board. If it's only a three-quarter inch, then yes, I would put a, a half-inch plywood down, then the concrete backer board. Okay, another thing, it needs a roof. I had a guy trying to sell me a steel or an aluminum roof, and I was, I, was, I wanted your opinion on, on uh, what you thought about that. Because the roof is not in that bad of shape, but, yeah, you know. Well, if the roof's not in, in bad shape, can it be fixed and just use it for now? If not, I love metal roofs, and I, I would have no problem telling you put a metal roof on there. Okay, that's, that's what we want to do. I mean, we're, we're going to make yeah. it. And one more other question. I was going to say, I couldn't get it to click. Okay, Mark, you had another question? Yeah, the, the last question is, what do you think about the smart siding? We feel that it's easier to work with than the hardy plank, and we can kind of put it up quicker. What do you think of the smart siding? I know the hardy yeah. plank lasts longer, but, I mean, we're not going to yeah, take that it, module home. Eventually, we're going to build a home there once this oil industry starts to pick up. The hardy does last longer. Uh, as far as workability, I've actually found it harder to work with the smart side only because it's so so darn flexible. Uh, it's it's sometimes difficult to to get it up and hold it in place. But beyond that, I mean, my only concern with it is uh, it, it has so much plastic in it. I worry that it's going to sweat behind it. But for what you're talking about doing. Uh, I think you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Now, I mentioned uh, you know being able to shoot emails to me, so I'm going to start off with one of those that I had received. We have lived in our 45-year-old home for 11 years. The 38-gallon water heater in the garage looked relatively new when we moved in. I'm sure we will need to replace it. In the future, so far no leaks, just doesn't provide as much hot water as in the past. We live in southwest Fort Worth. We would like to replace with a 50-gallon. And I always question that. What brand of water heater do you recommend? Who do you recommend to install it? Do you recommend we purchase the water heater and have it installed? Or do you recommend we hire one firm to purchase and install the heater? And what would be the approximate cost? Appreciate your help. All right. Well, let's start with this. The first question I always have when somebody sends an email like this or calls in and asks a question on the water heater, why change from a 38 to a 50? And normally a 40-gallon is the, the size that they're trying to up from. And the answer is always because I'm not getting as much hot water as I used to. Well, as the water heater ages, it gets sediment in the bottom of it, especially gas water heaters. And it takes space out of the tank. It also takes longer for the water to get hot because the uh, gas has to heat 
all the sediment that's in the bottom first. And that's why you hear it crackling and popping and all that stuff. That's all that sediment in the bottom. So not necessarily do you need to, to upgrade from a 38 to a 50. The other thing I would also ask that somebody look at, if you are considering an upgrade like that, why not look at a tankless as well? And I'm not saying a tankless is for everybody, but um, I'll use gas first. If your gas supply is near where the water heater is, or you have a one-inch supply line near where the water heater is, you are a candidate to take a look at going tankless instead of tank. Then you got endless hot water. You also don't have this issue with the buildup of sediment in the bottom of the tank. However, a lot of people don't realize this, but even on a tankless water heater, you do still have to clean the water pipes. There is a process that you're supposed to go through once a year or so to clean the water lines to make scale buildup in them, which could affect the hot water. But back to, to the question at hand here. First of all, you know, if it, if it was new 11 years ago, yeah, you're getting probably near the end of its life. 10 to 15 years is the life cycle of most water heaters. Can you get longer? Absolutely. The other question that always comes up is how do I drain so I keep from getting the sediment buildup to make my water heater last longer? Well, unless you start doing that within the first two years of the water heater, it's not recommended to do it because the sediment is already baked in in the bottom after that and you run the risk of breaking the tank trying to get that out. So typically I just recommend you leave it alone. And I will be honest with you on my own water heaters, I never bother draining them. The lifespan increase that you get doesn't justify to me the time and effort that goes into clean, flushing that water heater on a regular basis. The other question I get on that is regarding self-cleaning water heaters. Wonderful concept. Here's the downside. Have you ever had to clean the strainer or the uh, aerator rather on your faucets? Because sediment gets into it. Well, guess what? If your water heater is self-cleaning, all the sediment that gets into the bottom of the water heater is now cycling through your pipes and hitting the aerators in your house, which means you're going to be cleaning them even more often. So, like I said, self-cleaning and cleaning out the water heater is kind of overrated in, in my opinion. Anyways, that's just my two cents on that part. Okay. What brand of water heater do you recommend? There's a limited number of manufacturers left in the country making water heaters. Uh, Rheem is a very good one. You hear me talk about Rheem water heaters all the time. Uh, they also make tankless water heaters. There's other tankless water heaters out there as well. Uh, but one of the things you want to watch when buying a tank type water heater, they got so many of them that have uh, Increased warranties on them and thrills and and stuff as far as the self-cleaning like we were talking about and all that. All that adds cost to the water heater. Typically, your five-year warranty water heater is almost identical to your 10-year warranted water heater. They cost more because the manufacturer is taking on more risk as far as having to cover the warranty on it. So my recommendation, if you want to save money on it, is to just go with like a five-year, no-thrills water heater. 
Forget about all the self-cleaning and all the other stuff. All you want is hot water anyways. So just go with the basics. You'll be money ahead in the long run. Now, as far as somebody that I recommend to install it, you need a plumber. Now, you can do it yourself, but don't hire a handyman or somebody like that to install it. By law, if you are not doing it yourself on your own home, you have to be a licensed plumber to install a water heater. So, you know, if you're hiring a handyman or something, somebody like that, you, you do run the risk of getting fined, having the job shut down and all that, and you could end up without hot water for a day or two while all this gets sorted out. So use a plumber, a licensed plumber. Make sure they pull the permits that are necessary and go through the inspection process. And one of the big reasons for the inspection process on installing water heaters, realistically, the reason we have pop-off valves on water heaters is they are a big time bomb waiting to go off. The pop-off relieves pressure if it starts building in the tank. When they come in and inspect it, they're inspecting the pop-offs to make sure those are proper, make sure the lines coming in are proper. Uh, it, it, it really is a safety issue on water heaters. And so I really do recommend that you make sure that's done. As far as purchasing the water heater separate and having uh, someone else come in and install it, I typically do not recommend that. And the main reason I don't, you want somebody who, one, is taking responsibility for everything. In other words, the water heater gets installed and it doesn't work properly. And let's say something it was messed up when it was manufactured. Very rare. Don't get, I understand. Not something that's common. However... If you're like me, you run that risk, you're going to lose every time. Here's the issue, though. If you paid somebody to install the water heater, and the water heater has a fault, and it doesn't work properly, you now are going to pay him again to take the water heater out and reinstall it. Maybe the manufacturer will, but typically that plumber's not going to do it a second time unless he knows where the money's coming from. If you have the plumber purchase the water heater and he has the same issue, he's going to jerk it out, install the new one, and he will deal with the manufacturer to make sure he's covered on the expense of the reinstall, if he bothers with it at all. But I can guarantee you, if he, if he didn't purchase it, he's not taking on that liability. And the main reason for that, yes, you will pay a markup for that water heater when you go through a plumber. Now everybody's saying, oh my gosh, I don't want to pay that markup. Well, here's the other side of it. Typically, the plumber is going to have a better discount on buying stuff than you do. So in the end, he actually may get it cheaper than you can going direct and buying it. Regardless, you're better off to let the plumber, whoever's going to do the install, do the purchase for you as well. So I recommend hiring one company. Approximate cost all depends on what has to go through in order to install the water heater. You know, if it's up in an attic or if in a garage, which this one says it's in the garage. But, you know, the, the in the garage open concept is actually the easiest place to install a water heater. So I would say you're probably going to be on a 50-gallon, you're probably going to be looking around $1,200.
on an easy install like that. Could be less. Doubtful if it's really any more than that. Uh, the venting could make it a difference, and that's something that just has to be looked at. Hope that helped you out, Ted, but, you know, that, that is uh, the way I would have. C, welcome to KRLD. I have this problem. I had a couple of toilets uh, that were running continuously, and so I had them replaced. And uh, so I have two more that are uh, old. So, but all these four, four, two, two of the old ones and two of the new ones are continuously running. And uh, one of the plumber came and tried to adjust it, and then but still it is running. So what do I need to do? Well, typically if a toilet is running like that, it's because of the rubber flapper in the bottom of the tank needing to be replaced. But the, those are new ones that we got, and even the new ones are running, uh, and all the four in the home are running. So they say it may not be that, and uh, I'm not sure if uh, even the new ones would have that problem. They could. They very well could. Uh, there really is nothing in the home that would make a toilet want to run. Now, obviously, the water levels need to be adjusted properly in it and, and things like that. But typically, if you look in the tank, in the bottom is a rubber flapper. When you flush the toilet, that flapper yeah. comes up, and then it lays back down. And as that ages, especially if you put chlorine tablets or anything like that in the tank, you know, to, to, keep, it, to keep the toilet cleaner, those things tend to uh, shorten the lifespan of that rubber. That rubber will start to warp. Once it starts to warp, it no longer seals tight. So water trickles out into the bowl, hence the toilet turns back on to fill the tank back up. The other place that uh, it can be happening is if it's set too high in the tank. There's an overflow tube. It's a one-inch tube that comes up towards typically the left side of the, t of the tank, and if the water gets too high, it goes over the top of that tube. It will never okay. shut off if that's happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, someone mentioned about uh, pre uh, high pressure in the home. Could that be causing it? And do I need any regulator or anything? The, someone has measured it and he said it is 80 PSI, probably. You're at 80? Yeah. Okay. 80 PSI is on the high side. Most homes, most city pressure runs between 55 and 80 PSI. So if you're at 80, you are on the high side, and it is possible that if it spikes sometimes and goes higher than that, that it's blowing the seals out of the valve that shuts the water off. And okay. that could be why, then, you're having the issue with the new toilets. And if that's the case, yes, a pressure regulator would solve the problem for you. Okay. And how much would an installation cost for it, typically? For a pressure regulator? Yeah. It really is going to depend on what they got to do to put it in. Uh, you know, if there's if the pipe is readily available, or if it's got to be dug up or accessed through a wall or something like that. But realistically, you're probably going to be looking at on the low side, but uh, 500 all the way up to a thousand dollars, depending on what they got to do to put it in. Oh, okay, 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 and uh, if. Uh, that pressure is reduced to uh, the recommended value, 
do you think this problem would go away and maybe there are other advantages that I could get? I'm sorry, I, di I didn't catch all that. If, if the pressure is set to the right recommended uh, value, uh -huh. uh, do you think this, uh, this uh, leaking, uh, not leaking, the running problem and that could go away? Well, unfortunately, I think if even once you drop the pressure down, if the, if the pressure blew out the seals and everything, you'll probably have to replace the inside of the tank or, you know, the, the working mechanism on each of the toilets. Fortunately, those parts are relatively cheap. Uh, and I think that price range I gave you, that 500 to $1,000, they should that should be included in that along with the pressure regulator itself. Okay. Thank you so much. All righty. See you. Take care. Have a good afternoon. Tony, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, yes, sir. I was uh, enjoy your show. I enjoy your show real, real well, and I was uh, listening to it a week ago. And I'm one of those who shut off rooms when the kids are gone and shut off vents and everything. And I understand that the air conditioner can only push what it pull. I think that was what uh, was said. Am yep. I doing wrong by blocking off rooms? Uh, and saving air conditioning space? You are, because your air conditioning system is designed to heat and cool a certain square footage. And when you start closing off rooms that way, you're changing the square footage, you're changing the airflow, you're therefore changing the mechanics of that unit. And in many cases, that's where your, your home starts becoming uncomfortable, where it'll start feeling clammy uh, because the humidity levels start going up. So, yeah, you're actually money ahead to just leave the vents open and let everything circulate the way it's supposed to. Okay, yeah, I thought all these years I was doing good, I guess, uh, and I, I didn't know what you're talking about by clearly. Uh, one other thing, uh, the person who installed my unit is really adamant about telling me to, on the filters I changed, and I do change them regularly, buy the cheap ones and change them every three to four weeks in the, in the summertime. And yep. don't buy the one for 90 days. Buy the cheap ones. Just change them real recent. Is that true, too? Well, the, the way filters work is for every inch of filter thickness, that's a month. And there are some filters out there, you know, pleated filters and stuff. And I love the pleated filters. Don't get me wrong. But some of them will start trying to tell you they're a 60 or 90-day, one-inch pleated filter. No. Every month you need to change it because... The airflow, as it gets restricted, going through that filter as debris gets on it, again, changes that air conditioning system the way it works. I see. And, and as a homeowner, about all I can do is is wash the, the outside unit, keep that yep. free-flowing, and change the filter. That's about all I can do as a, as a homeowner. Is that correct? And keep the ants away from the outside unit because they get in and start messing with the capacitors and stuff. So you, what I've been told, when the air conditioner is running, go out there with the hose and, and let the hose run through the, the side filters on the unit. Is that okay? Yeah, you can spray it down. You know, And you only need to do that like once every month or two. It's not something you got to do every week. Uh, but, yeah, keep the plants away from it and keep debris off of it. Thank you very much. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Mike, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? I've got two hot water heaters. They're both in my attic. They're approximately 15 years old. There's attic doors that make it easy to access them, but they're not giving me any trouble, but I'm just afraid because they're 15 years old that when they do go bad, they'll destroy the ceilings they are sitting above. 
Yep. Do you have pans underneath them? Yeah, they have pans. One of them is, you know, kind of rusted out because of the condensation drain backing up and holding water in it sometimes. But okay. I mean, so far they they seem to be operational. It's just the one on the garage side of the house. I have to relight the pilot every so often, so it makes me think something's starting to go out on it. So of course I've been thinking about tankless, but I've heard yeah. some some radio shows talk about it like. Well, you know, between the maintenance or upkeep on a tankless, it's almost like you should get a hybrid type system versus a straight tankless type system. Well, and I, quite frankly, I'm one of them that's a fan of the hybrid as well because the efficiency of them is so much better than a tank or a tankless. Uh, you know, the hybrids, are, they're 92 to 98 percent efficient. Uh, and they can vent using PVC versus double wall stainless steel, which puts the install much cheaper. So I'm in that ball in that uh, ball field as well. Uh, I, I like those. Navion makes a great one. So yeah, it really, if you if if you're looking at replacing two of them, I would take a look at a tankless because you probably got enough gas already coming to that location since you mentioned the pilot light. Uh, and that that should take care of all your needs for it, water heaters. Hey, Jim, are you there? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hey, this is Mark. Hey, thanks yeah. for taking my call. I have a question. I live in a three-story townhome, and the master bedroom is on the third floor. And uh, this time of year when uh, the humidity is up, my uh, girlfriend and I will go to sleep. It'll feel nice and cool in there. And then about 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, we'll wake up and we're both real warm. And I'll go check the thermostat, and the temperature, you know, is 70, 71 degrees. But it seems like maybe the humidity has crept up. And yep. my, my question was, what humidity percentage should my house be at? And then, two, if you had any thoughts on why that might be. Well, let me start on why that is. Uh, the main reason that's happening is... As the sun goes down and the house is no longer heating up, as night goes on, the unit's not cycling as much. Okay. And when the unit's not on, it's not taking humidity out of the house oh. unless it has a humidistat on it to turn it on to simply remove the humidity. And that's one of the beautiful things about these new, uh, like the Infinity system, where um, it, it has a variable speed blower so that it slows down the fan speed but keeps the air conditioning system running to keep it dehumidified. Does a great ah. job of that. Uh, but as far as the good humidity levels, you know, if you can get it, if you're in the mid-50s okay, to the mid-60s, you're in a, a great range there. Okay, okay. When you start getting up into the 80-plus, that's when you're going to start getting a little uncomfortable. When you okay. get down below 50, you start getting dry skin. Okay. So do you think just turn it down, just crank it down even farther while we're sleeping, or or that's just normal and deal with it? Well, how many is it on a separate system for the third floor? Or is it all one system throughout it, the it's house? All, it's all one system throughout the house with three zones, one for each floor. Yeah, I think what you need it to do then is probably have the zones uh, adjusted a little bit. Okay. So that that third that third floor zone stays on longer than the other zones do. Okay. 
and 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 you can probably adjust it that way because I'm betting that the humidity levels in the other part of the house probably aren't as bad. No, it's just that top floor, and of course yep. that's where we have to sleep. Yep. Okay, I appreciate it, Jim. Mark, Enjoy take care. Show. Bye-bye.